Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of... Called to live, commanded to love and commissioned to serve. And if you cannot remember that, we have three core values here at FCBC. What are they? Live, love, serve. Live, love, serve. Good. Uh, We're in this season as part of our Be Human movement. And the theme this year is that it is bigger than you. And at the end of the day, the work we are called to do is always bigger than us. It is not only to live, not only to love, but to serve one another, that we believe that we will be those who transform this world. I believe that. It is not enough just to come to church or worship experience, but you have to believe in the transformative power of God to use all of us as agents of transformation. That's what this season is about, reminding yourself and one another how powerful we really are and what we have when we come together as a community and as people to have an amazing time. Yesterday, we had an amazing time. Those SCBC members who came with us, we worshiped yesterday at B'nai Jeshurun Synagogue, and some of those members are here today, and we welcome you all for being here with us, and we thank you. But I often tell people that we, we follow the Jewish carpenter's teachings, and it's hard to understand the enormity of the Jesus movement unless you understand the Jewishness of Jesus in many ways. And we forget that at times, but we thank God for their presence today. So I want to look at a particular passage of Scripture. I'm going to read in the New Revised Standard Version and the Message Bible in the Gospel of John. If you have your app or your Bible, you can read with me, but it'll be on the screen. John 6, 1 through uh, 14. Who said that? Y'all were here this morning? John 6, 1 through 14. Let's read the, these words together. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now, The Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted, when they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves 
left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Amen. And the message, Bible, I want to read this version. It says, after this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him doing or do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. One of his disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, there is a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread and having, having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. I'll stop there. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you. We honor you today. And we are grateful, oh God, that you are so mindful of us. God, even today, we're reminded that you are a great provider. You continue to restore and replenish us, O oh God. And for that, we are grateful, grateful, O oh God, that you still are mindful of us. Now, God, continue to move in this place. Have your way in this sanctuary. Let your presence fill this sanctuary, O oh God. As we seek to honor you with our mouths, we worship. With our hearts, we worship. With our souls, we worship. We are so grateful so grateful God for who you are and what you do in our lives now oh God may the words you declare on today the collective meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight God you are our strength you are our rock and you are our redeemer we love you we love you and it's in oh God your name we pray and we say amen Remain saying, let me just read one verse in the New Revised Standard Version. Verse 9 says, um, well, rather, 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five body loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You take your seats. It is amazing to me how our lives can shift in a moment. Sometimes it seems like on almost the drop of a dime, things can happen of such great magnitude in our lives that it can be world-changing. doesn't take long to experience great transformation through and with God. But I'm still amazed at how life can shift in a moment, even in the twinkling of an eye, and changes the entirety of our life from that moment forward. 
They are these divine and creative encounters we have with God that are so profound and so powerful that those moments of creative encounter and divine intrusiveness on our lives shift us and shape us in ways that they become in that moment and those moments become markers in our lives. But we can look back over those moments and see what the intrusiveness of God and the encounters with God have done in our lives. Again, it often happens when we least expect it, sometimes when we're just minding our own, our own business. And all of a sudden, these moments of divine interruption, where God begins to move in powerful ways that shift, shape, and change the nature of our lives. And again, it happens sometimes doing the most mundane things, even running errands can be moments of creative encounter. Some of the best moments I've had in my journey with God have happened when I wasn't expecting an encounter. Moments when I was just simply doing what I knew to do, and then all of a sudden, the moment that was mundane and the moment that seemed ordinary, all of a sudden gets co-opted by God, and something powerful happens in our lives. Some days it happens when we just begin the day like we do every other day. We go through the routines and the rituals of our daily activities. Nothing special, nothing extraordinary. But then in the midst of the mundane nature of our day, the mundane nature of our rituals and routine, God moves. And all of a sudden, our life seemingly is interrupted. But then the longer we stay with the interruption, we begin to see the gravitational pull of God in our lives. I can imagine that whatever the errand was or whatever the assignment was for this little boy, he did not expect that somehow he would become part of a narrative that was bigger than him. Maybe, 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 maybe he was sent off to get food for his family. Maybe he was just simply honoring the directives of his mother or father. Whatever the case is, we know that this little boy had the responsibility of carrying, handling what was provisioned for his family. Little did he know that his provision plus opportunity can lead to transcendent moments with God. Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody here today. There are moments where sometimes opportunity plus provision, opportunity plus giftedness, opportunity plus power leads to transcendent moments with God. And sometimes all you have to do is be at the right place at the right time. And can I add this? Your hands might be a little full. But you have no idea what God is about to do in your life. He walked in and walked up to a scene that was beyond him, above him, but needed him. Oh, gosh. It was above, beyond, but needed him. He may not have even been aware of the conversation that was taking place that was above him, beyond him, outside of him, but needed him. You'll get that when you get home. It was above him, beyond him, outside of him, but it needed him. It needed what he brought to the table. The conversation that was happening was this. Jesus was teaching and a large crowd was there. They were getting ready to enter into the season of Passover. And when Jesus saw the people who were gathered there by the mountain, 
In one translation, it said he had compassion for them. It's amazing you can have compassion for, but actually compassion means to be with, to be willing to suffer with persons in the midst of their own struggle. That is what compassion really is. And sometimes in this world that has become in some ways and in some quarters so mean-spirited, we forgot what it is to show compassion. We're so engrossed in our own agendas and our own self-interest, and we're often shaped by two twins, diabolical twins, selfishness and greed. That selfishness and greed function in such a way that it causes us to be purely focused on us. That, that's really what selfishness is, is when you only think of you in your narrow space, you in your narrow confines. You cannot get outside of yourself to think about another person. And selfishness and greed work in such a warped way that it often hinders the expansion of our humanity. It hinders our divine possibility. And so even on that moment, Jesus shows compassion. And then he does something, a little, a little exam, maybe a test. I think God tests us in this way too, similarly to the way Jesus tested Philip, one of his disciples. He raised the question, where are we going to get bread to feed all of these people? Where are we going to get enough provision to feed all of these people? I love how the writer puts it, this kind of commentary on the side. He did this in order to stretch. Philip, he stretches him with a question that seemingly raises a problem. But the truth is, how problematic of a problem if you believe in resolution? Oh man, let me pull back for a second. How problematic is a problem if you already anticipate possibility and provision and resolution? He stretches Philip. Oh my God. I know I've had divine encounters with God when God has raised questions in my spirit that have stretched me, stretched me. In the face of what seems impossible, you hear this divine voice, God's voice, always reminding us every now and again, even when we see the impossible, face what seems insurmountable, and we begin to think whether or not we're qualified or able to achieve or overcome, we hear this one voice that comes into our spirit, with me, nothing is impossible. That is the voice of God. It is the voice that reminds us that there is nothing impossible for God. And so sometimes these questions raised in our conscience come to our spirit to stretch us. The question often is steeped in a problem. The problem always seems overwhelming. Where will we get enough bread to feed all of these people? Those stretching questions. How will you make it when there's nothing working in your favor? Stretching questions. How will you overcome when you're unqualified and overlooked? Stretching questions. How will you survive when you don't have the mechanisms or the means to achieve? Stretching questions that stretch our faith and stretch our belief. Those kinds of questions that push us into the presence of God at times. And this was one of those scenes. Where will we get enough bread? Philip said, listen, if we had six months wages, it wouldn't even be enough. For everybody to get a little bit, you see, he heard the question, but his response said that the problem had him stuck. Where would we get enough if we had six months wages, God? It would not be enough to make provision for all those who are here. In the midst of that question in response, that statement of Philip, Peter's brother Andrew comes up on the side. 
Because while Jesus and Philip are having a faith conversation, a stretching conversation, Andrew is identifying potential resolution. You got to watch this. Jesus and Philip are having a conversation on this side. Andrew's over here. In the midst of the conversation dialogue between Jesus and Philip, Andrew is trying to find some possible resolution. He's heard the issue. He sees Jesus' question, and he's trying to find resolution to the crisis in the midst of Philip and Jesus' conversation. And here's what Andrew finds. He sees that there are thousands of people on the mountainside, and he hears that Jesus' desire is to feed those who are there. Why? Because sometimes before you can teach, you must feed. I said it this morning. Gandhi once said, to a hungry person, food is God. It is hard sometimes for people to hear the words of God or the scriptures of God when we often find them dealing, struggling with life's circumstances. This is why it's not hard to serve when you really desire to not just talk about God, but make God's presence manifest in other people's lives by showing compassion and care for those who are there. Andrew said, listen, I don't know if it's really going to help, but there's a little boy here and he has five loaves of bread and two fish. It is not really a resolution, but it's an option. I said it this morning. It's an option. Now, the option may not work out, but at least it's something when no one has an answer to the crisis. It's amazing how sometimes we, over, we underestimate the power of our analysis in the midst of grand predicaments. And sometimes we think that in order to solve the crisis, we must have the entire answer versus playing the position we have to bring resolution to the crisis and understand that somehow the trust in God, believing God also means that what you bring to the table can be magnified, multiplied by your willingness to do what the little boy did. Now you see, I can talk about the big part of this story, which is what? Somehow, somehow the five loaves and the two fish are multiplied and everybody eats and that becomes the miracle it is a signifier that god is moving it is a signifier that god is present it is a signifier the miracle is not the thing it signifies something that god is up to but that's not even the power of this story the power is the little boy who is going through the ritual or routine mundane as it may have seemed maybe he was getting food for his family maybe he was sent to get food retrieve food and who knows how long that food was supposed to last but he found himself swept up in this grand moment and he and he hears a key he surrenders he sacrifices what he has oh god can you imagine how this story would have seemed if selfishness had grabbed hold of the little boy can you imagine how this story would have appeared if greed was operating through him and with him? His greed and his selfishness could have undermined the potential and possibility of everybody being blessed through his provision if selfishness had held him captive. Oh my God, in our culture even today, there's so much selfishness and so much greed. It abounds and it makes people mean and it causes toxicity in our own lives and our culture because we feel that we have to have everything for ourselves, get everything for ourselves, achieve everything for ourselves without regard to anyone else. Tomorrow is the holiday we celebrate Martin Luther King and Dr. King says something. He said life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? 
What will you do for someone else? I shared this morning. It is a luxury to put your interests first. But it's an honor to put the interests of someone else before yours. That is the high calling that God places above our lives. And selfishness and greed simply undermine and hinder the expansion of our humanity. God, maybe that's what Jesus was trying to teach Philip. That every now and again, you have to expand who you are. Stretch who you are beyond your comfort zone. Beyond even your interests and your intentions. And begin to see how God can move through us and with us as we seek to surrender and sacrifice to God. Here's what I learned. I came across something. It said, as long as greed is stronger than compassion, there will always be suffering. As long as greed is stronger than compassion, there will always be suffering. When compassion is greater than greed, then we can resolve much of the crises that impact this world. When our willingness to give and share and, 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 and distribute is greater than our desire to have and take and get, something powerful begins to happen. I read this quote somewhere. It said, greed is a fat demon with a small mouth. And whatever you feed it, it is never enough. Oh, God, a fat demon with a small mouth. And no matter what you feed greed, it is never enough. Sometimes you think that just having a little bit more money will be the answer to all your problems. Sometimes when you get it, it's never enough. You find new things to do other than trying to use empathy and compassion to shape your desire. What if your resources and how you use them was determined on the compassion and empathy you held in your heart? What if what you had and how you distributed it was based on your love and compassion you had for someone else? As God told Abraham, you were blessed to be a blessing. You were placed here for others, not just yourself. And that is the grand reality. And yet in the midst of it, selfishness still abounds. How do you overcome selfishness? Here it is. I already told you. You kind of take Jesus' lead on this. Have compassion. That's the first thing. Got to have compassion. Be willing to suffer with. Secondly, you have to show empathy. You've already heard that. It is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. No, I used to hear this statement. We often say it, and I don't like it. It's actually a bad statement. There but for the grace of God go I. That's a bad statement. What are you saying? That those who then go don't have grace? No. There, because of the humanity, I feel there am I. That you don't see a disconnect and a distance between you and another human being. You know that to be human means to see yourself in the eyes of another. And to see yourself in all that God has created. What, how would you treat people as when you saw them, you saw you? When I see you, I see me. When I feed me, I feed you. When I feed you, I feed me. When I take care of you, I take care of me. Compassion. Empathy. And then be intentional to assault selfishness that dwells within you. Oh, be intentional. Be committed to engage in the kinds of acts of kindness, compassion, and empathy where they no longer become acts. They become habits. They no longer become habits. They become natural. They no longer become natural. They become human gestures at the overflow of your generosity and your humanity. Oh. Let me give you some good ones. I'll let you go today because y'all want to go out of here. 
If you really want to assault selfishness, there's some little tricks you can do. Can I tell you this one? Here's one trick. Not only be compassionate, not only be empathetic, not only be intentional, but realize this, that every now and again, to assault selfishness that lies within you, you have to learn to be someone else's cheerleader. I learned that. That's one of the ways to deal with the selfishness within you is to be someone else's cheerleader. We know how to intercede and pray for one another, but we have to learn how to celebrate one another. Oh, man. See, my ability to celebrate what God is doing with you is in you is also signifies my trust in God. Because if I can celebrate you genuinely, there's no need to be jealous of you. When I can genuinely celebrate what God is doing in your life, then I can really honor God and who I am. Oh, my gosh. I said this last week. That's maybe one of the ways you signify who's in your inner circle. Determine who gets close. Who can celebrate you without jealousy? Who can celebrate you without contempt? Who can celebrate you without envy? His ability to realize, I trust God so much that I don't worry about what God is going to do for me, but I'm going to celebrate what God is doing in your life. My goodness. Can you imagine when God says, here's your assignment for her. Be her cheerleader. Here's your assignment for him. Be his cheerleader. Celebrate them like you're celebrating yourself. Celebrate God, what God is doing in their life like you are celebrating for yourself. Here's another thing you got to do. Not only celebrate what God is doing in another, be another person's cheerleader, but watch this. Be thankful. Oh, here's a good part. For what God is doing in your life but also be thankful for the people God places in your life. Because that actually is a sign of God. See, that helps you become selfless. You celebrate people, and then you're grateful for who God places in your life. When was the last time you paused in the midst of what you were doing and thought about how God used other people to be a blessing to you, and you stopped right there and said, God, thank you. I'm grateful that you brought her my way. See, I shared yesterday, I preached at BJ, and, and that happened for one reason, really, not only God's intervention, but a friend, Sandy, who for years had been trying to get me to come to preach there, and it happened in the right time, right? Because here it is, that when you have people in your life who care about you and love you, they want to see what is good and best for you. And they not only want to see that because they've experienced it, they want others to experience it as well. So that's what you do. You celebrate the people that God puts in your life because you don't know the doors that those people can open that can be a, an enhancement to your own life. Oh man. See, every time some God brings someone into your life who's a blessing, you celebrate that. Because you thought it was for one reason alone or two reasons. All of a sudden, you started seeing the connective tissue between you and other people. And all of a sudden, things started happening to you that you could not do on your own. And you did it because somebody believed in you, trusted in you, saw you, had faith in you. And then great things began to happen for you. That is what the meaning of celebration is. I, I have a hard time with people who can only celebrate their good thing. You see them all the time. They can't smile for nobody else. They don't celebrate with nobody else. Good things happening for people around them, and everybody's happy. They sit there with their arms crossed. They you happy, and they just sitting there. And that's how you begin to determine who ought to remain close to you. When they give you that fake smile, oh, yeah. That fake smirk, they, oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's how you know. But when there's some people who out-celebrate you for your breakthrough? 
Oh, right. Who out celebrate you. It makes you back up. Hold on. This happened to me. Why are you out celebrating me? And then they tell you because I know the same God who blessed you is the same God who will bless my life. And that's why I can celebrate. Oh my God. I dare you right now to celebrate what God is doing in the life of the person sitting right next to you. You don't know what's happening, but you celebrate. Oh God. You don't even have to know them. You just tell them, I'm clapping for you right now. I'm cheering you on right now. I'm celebrating you right now because God is able. Hey, that's what you tell some folks. I'm giving you a sacrifice of praise. I'm surrendering my ego to prop you up, to lift you up, to celebrate with you. Oh, gosh, I'm done, y'all, but watch, watch. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'm done. The little boy has to surrender and sacrifice the meal maybe for his family hold on the meal may have been for his family but the meal created a larger family you missed that never in his wildest dreams could he have imagined that that little meal could provide for so many but there's a process, I said this morning, to the economy of God. Multiplication happens by sacrifice. When he gave what he had, I like the process. It says Jesus blessed it, prayed for it. Took the bread. Y'all missed that. The folk from BJ, who I, I was telling all y'all yesterday, I was telling the people at 8 o'clock service, I said, I had one of the greatest experiences yesterday in worship. It was amazing. And then I had another great experience. <laughs> because um, when we got up to fellowship together, uh, a rabbi said to me, uh, me, me, look, it was a whole different spirit started moving. And he said to me, everybody's been eating. He said, pastor, he said, you want some whiskey? I said, in my mind, I said, well, it's Saturday and it's a, it's a good day. And little shot glasses. I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, this is how you worship. You can't. But here's the thing. Before we ate, here's what happened. Rabbi Roller, he, he prayed. He blessed it. He broke it and then distributed it. It was deep. He gave me a piece of bread. But here's the thing. Yeah, oh, God, I, I got to get out of here. Listen, but the piece was too big for me. So then I turned to Laverne. She broke off a piece. Then I turned to Lakeisha. She broke off a piece. Pretty soon, that piece he gave me started making provision for those around me. Wait a minute. That's how a community can be blessed by your breakthrough if you're willing to share what God has provided. Oh, he blessed it, he broke it, and distributed it. Watch this. The more they gave, 
the more they had. Oh, y'all missed that. The more they gave, the more they had. You still ain't got it yet. The more they gave, the more they had. And you try to figure out why you don't have, because you ain't giving enough. The more you give, the more you have. And here it is. <coughs> it said they had until they were satisfied. Oh my God, that they kept eating because they blessed it, they broke it, they shared it. Hold on, I gotta go watch this. I actually gotta catch a plane, so I gotta go for real, for real. But watch this. You've been praying, I said it this morning, praying for some things to happen in your life. Praying and struggling and struggling and praying for God to do something in your life. That's the first part of the formula. But you pray and then you break. Oh God. And you don't understand how some things begin to happen. Overflow. Abundance. But it comes in the breaking. Oh God, hold on. You mean that my breaking is for a breakthrough. My struggle it's for my transformation that God is expanding me, stretching me in the midst of it all. And it said they all ate in the blessing and the breaking came the breakthrough. Oh God, blessing, breaking, breakthrough. Just remember that tomorrow when folks try to understand why you look so happy. And don't understand the formula you're reciting in your head. I dare you to mom when you get up in the morning, start walking. Blessing, breaking, breakthrough. Oh God, you got to get that. Blessing, breaking, breakthrough. God is about to do something powerful in your life. It is only in the economy of God that you can start with nothing and end with leftovers. Only in the economy of God where you can begin with nothing and then end with leftovers. We went to office, I'm done, but we went to office and Reverend Lakeisha came in. I said, I was going to give her credit the first time. And she said, can you imagine? Oh, God. She said, can you imagine what that little boy must have felt like running back home? You missed it with more than he started with. They may have given him enough for the five loaves and the two fish. But can you imagine the testimony when he got home? Mom and dad, you ain't going to believe what happened on the way home. I had enough for us. But what I had became enough for 5,000. Because now he had a testimony of what God could do when you surrender and sacrifice and watch the move of God. You and I have a testimony of what God has done by stretching us, expanding us, and using us to be a blessing for others. If we're going to change the world, FCBC, you can't change it being selfish. You can't change it being greedy. 
some point you got to step outside of you and lead with compassion and empathy and intention to be a blessing in someone else's life. Come on, stand on your feet. We're getting ready to go. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.